welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 160 for Saturday the 6th of July, 2019. Coming up this week, I finally reached a Kobo earnings goal. It's been a long time coming. I'm going to be going through my quarter three objectives with you. I've started my pre-rapid release list boosting plans, and I have an important announcement if you've been a supporter of the podcast on Patreon. Welcome to this week's podcast diary. This week, since we last spoke, I have written 20,453 words. So last Saturday, I wrote 5,027 words. On the Sunday, I wrote 5,094 words. Yesterday, at the time I'm recording this, Thursday, 5,154 words. And this afternoon, Friday, 5,178 words. So just over 20,000 words of Now You See Her have now been written. Story's going well. It's been really pleasant experience for me, actually, this time round. Having planned beforehand, before I even started writing, having planned each chapter, and I could just literally roll up and start writing because I got all the notes there in front of me. And previously, what I'd done is I, I always knew the shape of the the story. I always knew the shape of it. So I knew where it was going. But I hadn't planned down to chapter detail. And I tended to do that the night before or a couple of days before. Uh, I did it as I went along. Whereas this time I've got 40 whatever it is chapters and they're all, I've got all the notes for each chapter. So I could open up Scrivener five minutes before I start writing, have a quick read of what I'm doing today and off we go. Um, And I've really enjoyed that. So I'm going to try that with the next book, which I'll talk to you about in a moment or two. Also with Now You See Her This Week, I'm in this bizarre situation of writing the story, and then I'm coming up behind and doing my first pass edit. But before I get to my first pass edit, we've got Bill Coker's coming through it. And Bill is doing, um, well, primarily Bill's there to look for all the errors I've made in the language in terms of American culture and American language. Uh, but I've got to tell you, and actually, uh, I'm really grateful for this, Bill. Bill's actually doing a first edit on it. It's really handy, Bill, because I've been going through this week. So if you think I've written... I've written, what, 40,000 words now? 40,000 words of this book. And then this week, I've done from zero to 15,000 words of my first pass edit. And Bill Kokos, who's doing this this American check, sense check for me, has been going through it. And he's also done uh, light edits too, um, which is great. That's That's not what we agreed he would do, but I'm quite happy that he has because I'm actually finding it very useful at the moment when I'm going through it. It's been great, Bill. Thanks for that. Um, So I I think he probably can't resist it as he's going through and he sees things that are wrong. Now, just to be very clear, what Bill is seeing is a completely unedited version of the story. It's completely unedited. So what Billy's going through is my stream of consciousness. And what uh, you know, I was noticing is a bit embarrassing almost, actually, because Bill's been changing some things in there in, in my first draft. So for instance, uh, I absolutely do know the difference between there, there and there. But that doesn't mean sometimes when I come back and I think, why did I use the wrong there? I know which there it is. And you know, sometimes you look at something and you think, did did spell check do that? Did that check change that for me? Because I know that shouldn't be there. And um, also, 
I've noticed Bill's been changing a lot of breath and breathe. So uh, instead of breath, I've, be, I've written breathe. Um, and, and this is because I'm just pelting it out at, at great speed. So Bill is seeing this uh, only as my wife does, which is with every single embarrassing error in it, because I haven't, it, I haven't even read it through by the t- time Bill's looking at it. I have literally written that, um, pressed compile in Scrivener and dumped it into a drive file. So Bill, you are really seeing some very raw writing there, which is why it's incredibly useful for me that when I'm, when I've been coming to it this week to do my first pass edit, not only has Bill corrected a lot of the language, and um, he's also, because I suspect he can't resist it, he's changed some of the spellings and some of the punctuation and some of the, just the errors I've made. So it's actually, in many respects, Bill's done a first pass edit for me. So I haven't had a massive amount to change. What I've done is I've, I've gone through all of Bill's suggested changes. So Billy's working in, in Google Drive because it allows me to share the document with them and we can both be working on it at once. So when I, I write in Scrivener, the minute I finish writing in Scrivener, I press compile and I put that day's writing completely unedited into this um, drive, Google Drive file, which Bill has access to. And Bill's really on the case. I notice he's straight back in there. I've also, at the beginning of the document, Bill's got my writing schedule. So he knows exactly what I've done. So I've been recording um, when I'm writing next. So Bill knows what my writing days are, so he can come in and have a look at it. But also as I'm editing it, I've put uh, notes in to say which bits I've gone through and edited. And also I dropped Bill a note the other day to let him know that I had to just insert a plot point for a bit that he'd read. So as he's only reading it through as I go along, there's something going to happen a little bit later that I needed to let him know about that wasn't in my first draft. But as I've come back going through it, I've just dropped it in. Um, I've seeded something that's going to happen a little bit later. So um, it's it's quite an interesting way of working, to be honest with you. Uh, but it's working extremely well. And Bill, you're doing a great job. So uh, thank you very much for that. I really, um, I really appreciate it. Of course, you know, I got loads of American bits and pieces wrong, um, as I would do. Um, but it's, so it's great having Bill in there changing the language. When he's changing the language and thinking, yeah, I know that, you know, I, I, I watch American TV, but I just, I don't think in that way when I'm writing. So it's been, you know, a really interesting experience. I'm up to, so I'm up to 40 words written now. This is going to be a 75,000 word book and I'm up to 15,000 words edited. So over this weekend, tomorrow on Saturday or Saturday is probably the time you're listening to this. I'm going to do another 20,000 words of editing. And then on Sunday, I'm going to write another 5,000 words. So I've broken the halfway point now and I'll be up to 45,000 words on Sunday. And then I got two more weeks of writing this story, um, 15,000 words a week, and then it'll be ready to pass on to Julie Cordoner and to Adam Nichols, who are going to then give it an edit. Um, Adam, because I'm co-writing with Adam, just needs to make sure that it fits his house style. Uh, I've, I've found this book very interesting. It's the first book I've written in a linear fashion. So I've always had it's one point of view, uh, and it's written in a linear fashion. No time jumps or anything like that. It's simply one thing after another, after another, after another. So it's a sequence of events. And I think part of the reason I probably haven't written in that style is confidence, is, is not feeling that I can write that, that sort of continual um, story without hopping around a little bit. But it's been absolutely fine. The combination of planning it beforehand and... The, the combination of just you know writing it sequentially 
um, has worked perfectly all right. So I'm really enjoying it. I'm having no problems with it. In many respects, actually, it's easier. I really, um, I really feel like I'm, I feel like I'm getting my head around this point of view thing. It's interesting that, um, and, and, and it's helping me focus it more, just writing from one character's point of view. Um, Bill, uh, Bill wrote one note this week. Um, talking about, I can't remember what note he put on, but it, effectively he was saying point of view, character point of view. Um, I can't remember what the words were that he used. Um, but, uh, I looked at it. I thought, yeah, yes, you're right. That's, I've just head hopped to somebody's, uh, somebody else's point of view. But I, I'm really pleased, um, to say that Bill's only spotted one of those in the book. So I, I, I feel like I may have made a little breakthrough with that, uh, that I'm, I'm kind of getting it now. And as I've been, I was editing, Dead of Night the other week, as you know, and that's an older book. And again, I, it, it sounds such a simple thing to do, doesn't it? It's a, it sounds so simple, but actually it's really helped me that at the beginning of the chapter, I'm writing whose point of view. I'm just putting it, you know, chapter one, Fred's point of view. So I'm writing it at the top of the chapter. So that when I edit the chapters, I'm thinking, right, you know, could Fred think this? Is this something Fred could observe? And even in Dead of Night, I've just taken a few little bits out. Nothing, nothing terrible. Nothing I don't think that you might just, you know, unless you are high, if you're an editor, you'd probably see it. But, um, or, or you might see it if you're an editor, if you're hyper attentive to those sorts of things. I don't think readers would necessarily spot them. But I spotted a few in Dead of Night, which I took out or just slightly, um, re-nosed, rewrote. And it was very useful. So yeah, I hope, I hope I'm breaking new ground with this point of view thing. And, and, and the way around it has been just very simple. Just write whose point of view you're, you're writing from or, or write from a single point of view. Um, and just hold steady to what they could know, what they could understand about the story. So there we go. That's you up to date with my writing and editing. Also over this weekend, I'm going to start to plan two years later. So two years later is the novel I'm moving on to straight after this one. And I, I barely, I barely pause for breath. So it, it needs to be ready. I need to have the plan ready to go. So two years later, just to refresh your memory, is going to be another thriller. It's going to only be 50,000 words. So it's quite a short one. It's only going to take me 10 writing sessions to write. And it's going to be another female led book. So I've already got two female led books. A Burden of Guilt was female led and so was Who to Trust. So I need to have a third female led book thriller of 50,000 words of length uh, that I can then bundle when I'm doing my rapid release I can bundle it into a female protagonist's package um, so that's going to be based around um, uh, a workplace an office place that's fairly toxic um, things going on with a with a boss it's not going well so I'll be quite anxious to write an office based one for some time bringing in all my however many years it is of corporate experience and staff clashes and all that sort of thing so I'm really looking forward to writing that story got the basic concept sorted but I'm going to plan that down to fine detail and as compared with the 75,000 word book I've only got to plot out 30 30 sort of chapters 30 pivot points um, in the story for this one but I'm going to start doing that on Saturday and Sunday and I've got whenever I had another day dedicated to it too before I start writing yeah I've got another sort of fullish day dedicated to it on the 20th of July plus several evenings so I'm going to be chugging that along but I need to be in a position to start writing that on Thursday the 25th of July so I need to get 10,000 words done before I come to 20 books in Edinburgh 
so got to get on with that one. Um, now, I have already started that work on that. I have opened my novel factory file and I have created uh, lots of the characters and put the photographs in and thought about the settings and the scenario. So I've got the bare bones of that story. Now I need to start to flesh it out into 30 separate chapters and pivot points uh, in the story. So looking forward to doing that. Big announcement this week about Patreon. Um, you'll, you'll hear a few little bits when I talk about my quarter three goals before the end of this show. And incidentally, if you're listening for the quarter three goals, what I'll do is I'll just take a little break, a little interlude with a piece of music just to break it up so you can find it easily. But the quarter three goals I'm going to tack at the end of this week's podcast diary. I'm just going to start with my news this week. So yeah, Patreon news. I have now closed Patreon. I've actually closed the account down. So uh, those of you who are Patreon supporters, um, I don't know whether you get a notification about it. No one's got in touch with me because when I closed it down, I did think, oh, maybe I should have announced that before I did it and let people know because they might get this mysterious email saying Paul Teague's closed his Patreon account. So I don't know whether you got anything or any notifications. It didn't allow me to customize an email uh, which is actually a usability issue but it would have been nice to have a sort of final email that went to people who supported me to say look thanks ever so much for supporting me I'm now closing down this Patreon channel but it didn't give me that option so I'm saying it now um Patreon as you know I kind of half-assed it uh, for a while and then I tried a period where I was putting videos on it and putting loads of extra information on it and I just decided it was, it just became one more thing to do for me to do. And then, so I said uh, that I was going to stop um, adding material and that you were welcome to leave and walk away at that point because I wasn't going to be adding any extra value to it. And many of you very kindly stayed on Patreon and just supported the podcast every month. Um, you know, just because you enjoy the podcast, not because I was offering or promising any extra content. So I, I've, I've run that for a couple of months and I just thought, you know, it's a bit unfair really asking people to support the podcast via Patreon. I, I'm not going to be adding any extra content for the foreseeable future. You, you know what I'm doing. You could hear what I'm doing on this podcast diary. I'm too busy. And as you know, also that I've tried to jettison a lot of stuff that I don't need to be doing so I can focus more on the writing and the marketing. So I have closed down Patreon. I wanted to get it done before the next billing cycle. That's why I did it slightly earlier. So the next billing cycle kicks in, I think either at the beginning of a new month or the end of a, of a month. So I wanted to make sure that you weren't billed for this month. Um, so I, I shut it down. I should have mentioned it last week, really, but I shut it down before the billing went through. So I just wanted to say, if you have at any time supported me on Patreon, thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate that support. Um, but I, I, I've run it down now. I've closed the account. Um, if I, if I do come back to it at a later date, and to be honest with you, I think really I would have to be writing full time now to, if I was writing full time, you know, I would double down on everything and I'd build it out like a business. But because my time is squeezed, because I have to work three days a week to bootstrap all of this, I, I'm just kind of jettisoning things that I can't do and focusing entirely on this ridiculous writing and publishing schedule that I've got at the moment. So I may come back to it at a later date, but I just thought it was fairer in the meantime to get rid of it. Now, if I do come back to it, I will come back to, I probably won't use Patreon actually, I'll probably do something different because everybody's on Patreon. I'm sick of hearing about it. So um, I don't really like Patreon, actually, as an interface. So uh, there are a few um, other alternatives around. And there's one in particular that I'm keeping my eye on, which is in beta at the moment. So if I do come back, I will probably won't use Patreon. I'll probably use a different system. And if you do feel compelled at any time to support the podcast, 
um, just because you find it so enjoyable hearing the pain that I go through every week <laughs> and you feel that that needs supporting in some way. Um, I have left a PayPal donate button um, on selfpublishingjourneys.com. And, uh, you know, that's a kind of a fairly established way of people um, supporting, uh, I guess, creative ventures. So I'll leave that PayPal uh, donate button on. But, um, you know, there's absolutely no obligation. I'm very happy for you to uh, listen to this podcast and consume it. Um, to be honest with you, since I stopped doing the weekly interviews, this diary is fine to produce. It doesn't take a massive amount of my time. It's actually quite a nice end to the week for me that when I've, I've written on a Friday, I just sit down and write the diary and I actually find it a nice thing for me to do. So, um, that's, I just decided to get rid of Patreon for that reason. But thank you if you have supported me at any time. I mentioned last week or the week before that I was tantalizingly close to earning a thousand pound on Kobo. And, and one of the reasons why I've decided to go back to KDP Select is, you know, I heard all the arguments about being wide and I accept them. I accept all the arguments about being wide. But the, the grim reality for me is I've had several book bubs now and those book bubs have been wide and I've earned as much when I'm wide on Apple as I have on Amazon. So Apple and Amazon are pretty well level pegging on my book bubs. But it's taken me until this week. You think that I've been on Kobo for quite a few months now and I've done a few book bubs. On Kobo, I've only just broken a thousand pounds of total income. This is bearing in mind that I'm selling books or getting rid of books, not necessarily selling them, but I'm shifting books free and paid in over a hundred countries now. And I heard Joanna Penn the other day. I don't know whether she got her numbers wrong, but I'm sure she only said, I said only, but I'm sure she said she was shifting books in 90 something countries. And I looked at my panel and thought, have I got that right? But I have. It's I'm over a hundred countries. So, um, you know, so I'm, so I'm getting rid of books in a lot of countries, but it's taken this long to reach a thousand quids worth of sales. I just did it. Yeah, 107 countries. I have noted. I thought it was 107. 107 countries I shifted books in. So, um, because I'm a finisher completer, I like to hit targets. Now I've broken that thousand pounds. I feel happy to take books off, off Kobo now. Um, so I, I will start to remove my sci-fis off Kobo. Now, the reason for that is, and actually this has proved quite controversial. I've had a couple of sort of notes and emails from people. Um, challenging is not the, the right word, but questioning what I'm doing with KDP Select and, and this policy of, of, of going back into KDP Select and not wide. Uh, and it's been quite interesting. Obviously, um, people have strong emotions about it. But my line on it is, and, and I'll go back to what I've said before, um, I totally, it's it's a bit like veganism. Okay, I've got, you know, one of my kids is vegan and I, I, I totally get it. I totally get it from an environmental point of view. You know, I totally get it from an ethical point of view. I totally get it. I totally get being vegetarian. I totally get being vegan. And actually, um, at some point in the future, there are things that I would consider. In fact, I was a vegetarian for a year, uh, many years ago before the kids were born, but it was a bit harder to be veggie in those days. You know, you went to restaurants, you got just a plate full of broccoli and a bit of lettuce. Um, it, you know, things weren't as evolved as they were. And to be honest with you, um, vegan menus are becoming so excellent now. You could almost go to many chains now and eat, and eat vegan food. We went to a Frankie's and Benny's the other week and we all ate a fantastic um, sort of food, including uh, a child who's vegan who got uh, starter mains and uh, sweet and had a lot of choice, uh, Frankie and Benny's. So it was great. Anyhow, back, back to the sort of wide versus KDP select argument. This seems to uh, generate as many emotions. So in the same way that I perfectly get 
veganism and vegetarianism. You won't hear me arguing the toss about it. You won't hear me arguing the toss about going, right, I totally get it. I totally believe in it. I've told you that I built a Facebook software and I learned my lesson the hard way several years ago because Facebook changed and it blew, blew that business out of the water. Incidentally, I'm going to tell you something about BookFunnel in a couple of minutes time, um, which shows exactly the same thing. If you build on one platform, you're completely vulnerable. But so I absolutely get it. There's no argument there at all about going wide. But I have gone wide for the last however many months it is, half a year, and it's not making me enough money. It's not moved the needle for me. Now, my basic premise with all of this, with all of my activity is that if I don't make money, it's not a business, it's a hobby. Okay, I'm going to say that again. If if I don't make profit from this, but I spend money on it, it's a hobby not a business. It has to be profitable to be a business. Now, I don't want another hobby. I want a business. So I am all about earning money, all about earning money. And until I can earn the money that I want to earn from this, then I'm not happy. Now, I've given the wide thing a try and it it might work long time, but it hasn't worked fast enough. I'm talking to people who are making KDP Select work and uh, and so I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to use current best practice. Now, I am in no doubt whatsoever that that is not the best long-term strategic decision. I absolutely know that. But let me bring it back to where I began. If I don't make money, if I'm spending money and not making money, it's a hobby, not a business. And I want a business. Now, if I am able to create even half of the success that somebody like Adam Nichols managed to create by going on KDP Select, what that then does is it buys me time and breathing space then to be more strategic in my decisions. And so that's why I'm doing it. Um, I'm going for, if you want a quick rush, because it looks, um, you know, I've said, again, I've said this before. I tend to be the guy who tries all the things that work and they don't work for me, but, um, you know, touch wood, we'll get part of that success if we follow the plan. But, you know, if I made half of what Adam managed to make, however I make it, that will buy buy me uh, a full year to write full time, and then I can be more strategic. Okay, but I can't do that until I get some blooming money in the bank. And I'm not making enough money for the books at the moment. Now, sure, I'm making more than the average author, but it's not enough. We've all got different paths to travel with this. We've all got different budgets, different requirements, different numbers of children or no children. You know, we've all, we're all in a different place. We've all got different things to achieve. Um, so to achieve what I want to achieve, I, I need that level of success. I can't afford to sit here and wait for five years to develop that strategically. So that's why I am doing this. And also because I can write fast. I'm playing to my strengths. I can write fast. I can write furious. I can write accurately. You know, I don't have to sit there uh, for two years um, agonizing over books and, and, and editing them time and time again. Um, you know, I, I can get them to market very quickly. Uh, I can get reasonable reviews for them in between four and fives. Uh, you know, so I, I, I got I got the sausage factory. I can churn out the sausages. I just got to find a way of selling lots of sausages with this. So that's what I'm going for. So that is why... Uh, I am going KDP Select. Now, um, something else I had that came in on the blog this week is I was just being questioned about um, re-releasing books with different titles. And the person who commented basically said, and I think I'm sure I've said this before, but I'll say it again, just in case you're not aware of this. Um, and, uh, I'm sure we mentioned it with Adam as well uh, in, in that interview with Adam Nichols. Um, when you when you re-release a book, as I'm doing, you can, if you want, you can take the existing book off sale, you can relist it, give it a new Amazon 
identification number, an ASIN number, and that counts as a new release. So you might give it a slightly um, same title, different cover, differently edited book. Or you could do what I'm doing with three of the books. I'm going to do that with Dead of Night, but with three of the books, I'm giving them brand new titles. They'll get new ASINs, they'll get new blurbs, and they'll get new covers. They would look like a completely new book. And the person commenting on, I think it was last week's uh, blog post at selfpublishingjourneys.com, basically raised the question, if I bought one of those books and I'd already read it, then I would be a bit peeved off about that. Well, of course you would, absolutely, and, and rightly so. But let me tell you how we mitigate those circumstances. When you do that with a book that's been previously published, at the bottom of the blurb, you put a note to say, this book was previously released as, whatever it is, uh, One Fatal Error, um, but has been significantly um, re-edited to improve the reader experience. You could also put that inside the front matter of the book. Um, next to the copyright stuff and all of that. So you do flag up that the book has been previously released. But here's the point. The whole point of me rapid releasing those books and uh, repackaging them is because I did nothing with them. They've sold nothing more than a handful of books. I had no marketing strategy for them. I was too busy promoting Don't Tell Meg. So if they've sold books, those have been incidental sales. They've sold books in no numbers. So the chances, frankly, of somebody buying one of those books and saying, you know, getting a sense of deja vu are minimal. And my bottom line is, if you did that, you would just refund it. You just refund it through Amazon or Google or whoever you bought it through. So there's, you know, there's, there's nothing, there's no problem as far as I'm concerned. So you, know, you can refund it, you can return it. There'll be no questions asked. It's just, it's a non-problem as far as I'm concerned. At the most, it would cause a minor inconvenience to you and a sense of deja vu. So it really, that really doesn't concern me. Now, had I sold thousands and thousands and thousands of copies of those books, I would, I would go for the, different style. I would go for a new ASIN, same title, different cover, edited book. But those books sold a handful of copies. They've barely got any reviews on them. It's entirely my fault. I had no strategy for them. I did nothing with them. They just flopped out and sat there. Uh, they sold. They probably sold a few copies, you know, negligible compared to the copies I was selling of the other books. I'm, I've been quite happy making my money off those other books, and I haven't been organized enough to do anything with those standalone books. And that's why I'm bundling them relaunching them as part of rapid release because I put the work into them uh, and I want to see them do something. I want them to shift some some copies. So just a couple of things that have come up in, in terms of queries this week. I just want to clarify those um, for the record. All these things um, you know, have been thought through, um, but I, I come back down to that bottom line of um, you know, you could be as artistic as you want. If you ain't flogging anything, you've got a hobby, not a business. And I want a business, not a hobby. So uh, I, I'll keep coming back to that. And I hope that one of these days on this diary, you'll hear me say to you, I, you know, I am now content with the money that I just earned from my books. Um, you know, that's bought me some time to now get more strategic about it and to think long term about things. But at the moment, I'm a hamster on a wheel trying to make enough money to buy enough time to go full time for a year to then get strategic. That's the plan. So thousand pound on Kobo. That's where that little rant started. Uh, so I, I, I feel I feel happy to walk away from Kobo now because we're into the thousands of pounds. Um, the what I was talking to you about earlier about building your business on one platform. 
book funnel has come a cropper as far as I'm concerned from this this week because I've this week officially started using the KDP royalties estimator because I'm actually using it and got the hang of it now and I really like it and it just gives me a single figure uh, of all my reads and it also allows me to do you know when I budget things I always like to budget defensively not optimistically so I love it on this uh, royalties estimator that I could always assume that the Kindle reads are less this month um, it gives you the options of more, the same, or less. And I can always budget down. And I like budgeting down for income. I always budget over for outgoings and under for, in- for income because that way I get a pleasant surprise on income and I get a pleasant surprise on outgoings. So I like pleasant surprises, but I don't like bad surprises with money. So that's why I, I budget in the way that I do. So I'm now officially switched from BookFunnel to the KDP royalties estimator. And this is another example of the hazards of building on one platform. Because frankly, at the point at which the KDP royalties estimator, everybody starts to say, do you know what? Why am I paying book funnel, whatever it is, $19 a month? I don't need to anymore. KDP royalties estimator is great. Everybody's going to go to that and book funnel um, will just have, well, nobody will be left, not unless they come up with something very, very innovative. So, um, you know, that's the hazards of building on a single platform. And I suspect that's going to happen fairly soon. Now, if book, if book funnel pivot very quickly, very, very quickly and allow you to bring in your Apple, your Nook, your Google and all the other channels, certainly your main channels, if they pivot and create a single interface that lets you see all your income from all of the main channels, then they will survive. But if they don't, I suspect they're going to die because the KDP royalties estimator is great. And there's no need for me to be paying $19 anymore because the royalties estimator just gives me a single number in pounds. um, And I can just pop that into my projections on my spreadsheet. And I know roughly what's coming in that month. So if you haven't checked out the KDP royalties estimator, please check it out because I think it's kind of hit that critical mass now where it's become a useful tool. I just wanted to bring you up to date with my BookBub figures. Um, over the kind of launch week since I've spoken to you, I've shifted about twenty over 20,000 books through that BookBub. And I just wanted to give you those numbers by way of comparison for, um, you know, in terms of the previous BookBubs that I've done. But it, it, I think I said 15,000 last week. That's where I was when I spoke to you. But in actual fact, uh, we're up to, we're, we're way over 20,000 of free books shifted now. And, um, obviously the Amazon sales are up. Um, it's really gratifying actually. When I look at my, when I look at that, uh, KDP select dashboard, I can tell you, th- th- this is very gratifying, um, that my secret bunker two reads are almost level pegging with my secret bunker three reads. Now, this is what you want to see with read through. You want to see that people are going from book one to book two. So book two of the secret bunker is currently my top selling book. And then just very fractionally behind it is book three of the secret bunker series. Now, what that means is number one, people are reading through from the free book one. That's how you make your money on BookBub. But also, if people are reading through consistently, so by the time they get to book two, I know they're going to read book three. My income is virtually, I'd expect book two to be slightly ahead of book three, but it's pretty level pegging. There's no massive drop off there. It was almost even Stevens during the week. So um, very, very interesting to see that. And also, incidentally, um, because I bundle the books, um, my best sellers at the moment are Secret Bunker 2, which I'd expect, Secret Bunker 3, and then 
my bundle of the secret bunker two and secret bunker three together. So I always package books two and three together so I can give people lots of different buying options. And, and that, as I say, that's what I would expect after a book bub. So, um, you know, income is going to be up this month because of that book bub. So I know that, um, I know, you know, John Cronshaw particularly had got excited about the fact that he'd been trying for a book bub on his sci-fi stories for some time. And then I'd announced that BookBub had actually accepted me, but they'd put me into horror and that I was worried about horror. I've got to tell you, although it's fractionally less probably than the grid did uh, on its BookBub, I'm quite happy with it. It's going to make me the money I wanted to make over the course of this month. It's going to be another good month. Uh, not as good as the thrillers. Sci-fi isn't as good as the thrillers, but it's going to give me a really good month this month. And I'm pretty sure I've done all my usual projections where I look at what I've earned so far this month and divided it by the number of days and then times it by the number of days of the month. And if that, and you also, you have to sort of calculate for drop off as well, because obviously the sales aren't going to sustain at that rate, but I should clear my income goals for this month, which will allow me to do all the things that I wanted to do from that book bub. And of course, that's all I wanted to do from that book bub. So I hope I'll be telling you in three to four weeks time that I'm a happy guy uh, and that it made me the money that I wanted to. And I'm going to be able to get all those sci-fi covers replaced, uh, ready for my rapid release of my sci-fis. But um, again, you know, never say never. You can never quite say until you get to the end of a month and you know what you've brought in. But projections at the moment are looking good. So this week um, I have signed up for Book Sweeps events. Now, let me take you back. Um, I told you that before I do the rapid release, I want to have, I want to just build my list up. I want to pet my list up, particularly thrillers, but also I need to be mindful of my sci-fis, particularly thrillers. So I, um, I got a, an email this week saying that they're doing a book sweeps promo on thrillers and sci-fi during August. They, I think they do them every quarter. So I thought I, I got to jump in for that. It's a book sweeps crime promo between the 7th and 14th of August. And that's perfect timing for me because I want to do promos in August uh, just to bump my list up before I start rapid release. And then frankly, my list is getting thrashed during September. They're going to know about every release and I, I'll be really pushing my list more than I normally would. Um, so, and they'll know about everything that's going on during, you know, during those weeks. And I will warn people as well that that's going to happen. But there's no point having a list if you can't thrash it while you've got releases on. So I, I booked up for a, a thriller and I also thought, well, I'm there. Do you know what? I'm going to also book up for a sci-fi. So I, I put in for two, two promos. They're both in August. I think the, the sci-fi is a little bit earlier than the thriller. But, um, do you remember I told you last week that I'd been reading Craig Martell's book about rapid release strategies? And I, I, I've been really enjoying that, by the way. I highly recommend it to you. It's not just about rapid release. It's about, um, general strategies with with your marketing, with your indie publishing. I uh, re really enjoyed Craig's book and, and highlighted a lot of sections on it. Um, and obviously, one of the things he says is you, you need to to sort of be thrashing your list. Now, I forgot where I was going with that. What was I going to say about Craig? It's a good book. I'll, it might come back to me what I was going to tell you, uh, but it's, it's, it's a good book, so please read it. Um, but what I'm doing is um, I, I also am going to do promotions in prolific works book funny funnel and story origins and they're going to be events that i host so that i can make sure the quality is good and i'm going to be running those um throughout august to bump my list of subscribers up before the 9th of september which is when i start to promote so being quite strategic about that but i'll let you know about those events but I, again i need to be 
probably where are we now july i probably need to be thinking about recruiting actually for those events so as soon as i get a moment uh, an evening free or something like that i will start to set up those events so i can start to recruit quality people i find the problem is is if you get fussy with those events you just have to give yourself longer lead time to fill them up because if you're knocking people back with the six-pack covers or covers that look like they've been drawn by a five-year-old um you have when you're more fussy it's harder to fill events and you sometimes you just make it by the time you launch um i only i like events with 30 people in 30 quality people and i found that a good number of people to have in an event uh, any more than that it just gets a bit silly so um you know i think this i think sometimes if you like have a hundred books on a page people are like kids at a sweet shop they don't know which one to go for so i find 30 the sweet spot for me when i'm holding events so those are booked up uh, book sweeps is, is booked in and i'll be setting up the others shortly um don't tell meg interestingly came off kdp select this week so i can now give away don't tell meg for free so what i'm going to do it's very complicated this isn't it with timings because i've got i could do what i want to with don't tell meg now until i put it back into kdp select um i'm i'm now going to put don't tell meg as a free book into uh obviously uh the book sweeps giveaway the prolific works the book fuddle of the story origin events that gives me a strong book to give away a, a book that's part of a trilogy so hopefully that will drive sales as well as getting subscribers but i need that book ready to go wide again from the 25th of august because if you remember i could put it back in for a book bub by that date so i need to get my own personal giveaway so i actually talking talking aloud about this now i'm gonna to have to get my butt into gear get these listed and um, i need to run my giveaways to build my list so that don't tell meg which is going to be the book i give away free um when it goes back into amazon it's kind of clear by the 25th of august I, i'm undecided yet i would like to put don't tell meg in an amazon exclusive book bub but i don't know whether i that do you remember the first book bub i ever got was don't tell meg when it was only an amazon and i got the benefit of the reads on it and i would really like to put don't tell meg in as amazon exclusive for this next book bub but i don't know whether i'm decreasing the chances of it being listed like that so i'll have i'll have a think about that nearer the time but really, I'd like to get the reads, particularly I'd like to get the reads because it's coming just before a rapid release. And I would like people to be reading through Don't Tell Meg from a reads point of view. Um, and then I would like them to sort of then hopefully enjoy the book, enjoy the series and be looking for more. And fine, I got a whole load of stuff coming out. So that feels like a more sensible thing to do, but it's slightly riskier with getting accepted by BookBub. So I'll have a think about that and I'll let you know. Uh, you know, near, nearer the time. I'll let you know a little bit nearer the time what I've decided to do with that. Okay, so that is it for this week's diary. Thank you very much for listening to that part. That's my news up to date. After the little musical interlude, a chance for you to <laughs> grab a coffee, <laughs> grab a cup of tea, whatever it is you like to drink, and just get comfortable in your seat again. I'm going to be going through my quarter three goals. I can't believe we're already halfway through the year. So it really is time. If you've got objectives and they're drifting away from you, it really is time to just settle down and just repurpose, re-nose, refocus on those objectives because you've got six months left before we're at the end of the year and it'll be here before you know it, especially with the summer holidays coming up and all that summer disruption coming up very, very soon. So quick musical break and I'll be back with my quarter three objectives. Let's take a look at my quarter three goals then. This covers the period of July, August and September 
of 2019. Now, if you'd like to go to the show notes for this week's episode, you'll see that I've taken a photograph of my planning board. My planning board is just to my left-hand side here. It's always there where I can see it every day and be mindful of what I'm supposed to be doing. And I have blurred out some detail on that planning board. And the reason I do that is uh, some things I want to keep private, things like where kids are away at university um, and local names and places that I go to. So that's the reason that they're blurred. I'll tell you what the objective is, but some things are just blurred because um, they need to stay uh, confidential or private for now. So let's start at the top then. And I would read along with this if I were you. It'll probably make more sense if you read along. Um, Of course, the first thing I've got to do in this quarter of the year is to finish writing Now You See Her, which is the book that I'm collaborating with Adam Nichols on. So you'll see on the board that I'm writing from 20,000 words through to 75,000 words. And that book will be done in a couple of weeks' time. Straight after writing Now You See Her, that will get passed over to Judy Cordner, who's kindly agreed to take a look at it. And Adam will have it over summer, ready to uh, to prepare and, and to release on the 9th of September. It may come back to me, but my guess is that it will go to Julie. Uh, then probably Adam will put his final touches on any changes he wants on it, and then it will get prepared for release. So I will start work straight away thereafter, on two years after. So I'm writing 50,000 words of two years after. Now, two years after is my female lead thriller. It's intentionally a 50,000 word book, but the reason I'm writing it is really strategically, it's just to level things up in that if you recall, I have four 50,000 word standalone books. I don't think I will write like that again, but I do want to be able to bundle two of my existing female led books into a box set. So it makes sense to me. I was looking at what commonality they had and I thought it's easier if I just write a female lead 50,000 word thriller. So within context or the context of what I've got with my books, I am at the end of all of this going to have three series of three uh, that I can promote. Um, So, uh, well, actually four series of three, I beg your pardon. So I'm going to have Don't Tell Meg plus the box set. I'm going to have three times 50,000 word female protagonists plus the box set. I'm going to have three times um, action adventure thrillers plus the box set. And I'm going to have the Morecambe Bay trilogy plus the box set. And then if I write any more books with Adam Nichols, uh, there'll be more in that series to come too. So if I do, if, if the book goes well, if Now You See it goes well with Adam Nichols, then I'll probably write the other two in that series because I would quite like to have the box set and I like the characters and the scenario that I've set up. So book number two in this quarter is Two Years After. That's a 50,000 word book. And it feels, um, well, quite strange really to see be writing three books over this quarter but straight after I finish writing two years after I get straight on with Morecambe Bay 2. Now Morecambe Bay 2, Morecambe Bay 1 is Left for Dead, Morecambe Bay 2 is as yet untitled, I've got a very loose outline plot for it and then I know which character it's going to bring forward and I know roughly, very very roughly what the plot is. So at the moment I'm calling it Morecambe Bay 2 and I'm actually going to write before the end of September I'm going to finish that book. So I'm going to get one book finished that's already half started and I'm going to write two full books of this quarter. Now, when I look at that on the board, that's quite uh, scary to me because I think it's only three months. That's not a lot of time, but it's all it's on the planning sheet and the planning sheet. I've I've created lots of time for time off. You know, I'm going away uh, quite a lot over the summer. It all fits in 
to the planning sheet. So you, you can't argue with the planning sheet. This is why I like to plan because I'm, I'm planned so far ahead. I have wriggle room in there. So I've even got a couple of days when I could write that aren't currently allocated for writing. So I'm pretty confident that unless I'm, I always say I'm struck down by a burst if I get ill or something like that. If something massive disrupts my life, obviously that's not going to happen. But if everything ticks along as it should do, hopefully touch wood, uh, three books, well, one's going to get finished, two books are going to get written in that time. Now, I'm, I'm going to talk about running. So put your fingers in your ear if you don't like to hear about that. But uh, clearly, uh, if you listen right at the beginning of the year, the overall overarching objectives I have set to get me to my 55th birthday in March 2020. So everything now is aiming at my 55th uh, birthday. But 55 is a great age to aim for. And so I want at the age of 55 to have 20 books written. I'm, I'm actually going to way exceed that target. I might actually have 50, 25 books written by that time, but I'm definitely going to have 20 books written. That, that was my target. It might have been a bit tame when I set it. Um, but the, the aim of setting that target for the age of 55 was the old 20 books to 50k scenario that I wanted by that age to have that number of books written so that uh, I could, in theory, it would earn me $50,000 a year. We're not there yet. I'm still pushing towards it, but that was the theory. But I, I think I was planning it out the other day, trying to just get a feel for how my remaining months might go to my 55th birthday. And I might have 25 books written by then, but let's just wait and see how rapid release goes and things like that. Um, but the park runs, obviously they feed into health goals for that. So I wanted, in terms of health, by the time of 55, I want to weigh 10 uh, and a half stone. Um, and actually, I'll let you know, uh, let you into a secret, that I actually came below 11 stone for the first time when I weighed myself last week. So every Saturday, I do a run, and when I come back, I weigh myself on the scales. So I try and do it at a consistent time every week. And so I've now, I'm now sub 11 stone. I think I was 10, 13 last week, something like that. So I haven't really got, I've only got, how many pounds is that? Uh, I've not got many pounds to go until I'm 10, seven. So again, I'm reasonably confident of hitting that target by the time I'm 55. And the other target that I had was to do a sub 30 minute run by the time I'm 55. Now, I think I'm going to hit all those targets way too soon, actually, so I may have to revise them, uh, but I'll let you know if I do. Now, so feeding into those targets is I'm now going to do, um, I'm going to do 12, at least 12 park runs in this quarter. So I'm pretty well, I'm pretty well doing a park run a week at the moment. I'm just doing it every week because I like it so much. Um, but every now and then I'm just trying to think, is there a week? I don't even know whether there was going to be a week when I wasn't going to be able to do a park run, but I've decided, naughty, naughty me, when I go up to 20 books, Edinburgh um before I turn up on the Saturday I'm off to do a park run <laughs> so so uh there's two park runs in Edinburgh so I'll be turning up probably about 11 o'clock on the Saturday that's because I really want to do a park run while I'm up there but I was going to have to miss that week are there any other weeks I'm going to have to miss I don't think there are any weeks I'm going to have to miss no they're not over summer so I'm pretty well doing a park run every week now uh, because I like it so much and obviously it's helping with the health goals and I'm going to do what's called a bit of park run tourism so I will be going to Penrith which is a local park run to me and I'm going to be doing that one in, in Edinburgh as well now this is another blurred out bit on my board because I have joined a local running club and I'm also uh, running in the evenings now on a Thursday 
um, we're doing a five kilometre run, which is the, the, the distance that we do on a park run. So again, um, I, on my schedule, I've cleared my Thursday evening so I can actually do that every Thursday. Now I'm going to have to miss, because I'm travelling or, or away, one, I think just one of those in the next quarter. Yeah, just I'm just going to have to miss one. I can't make it because I'm heading off to see my mum on that day. I, I can't be in two places at once. So I will, I'm aiming to do 12 local 5k runs as well over the summer. Now you'll have heard me say to you as well that I always think that as well as obviously working hard and hopefully I, I am working pretty consistently, um, I really suffer if I only work. I, I can't just work all the time. I, I have to have headspace. So during this quarter, I have a, um, a few little visits built in. So I'm going away with my wife for a couple of weekends and we're going away with the family to see my mum. But also um, I've freed up my uh, weekdays. So you know that I do the day job Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I have Thursday and Friday, which are flexible feasts. I, I usually write on those days. On the Thursday and Friday over the summer holidays, I'm going to be getting up early at six o'clock kids always get up late uh, but I've left those days free so that we can go on family adventures on those days uh, my wife's off over summer again of course because she works part-time term time so Thursdays and Fridays have been allocated for us to jump in the car at midday when everybody's up and I've done my writing and then we'll go out until six seven eight o'clock in the evening so we'll have a full day out um, there's just no point getting up at the crack of dawn with the kids that ever run out in time. Um, so we're having adventures all through the summer and I've cleared space for those because uh, again, you know, a lot of it, it's just, it's thinking time, it's headspace time, it's good mental health time. If you work all the time, it's just not good for you. And I know I can't do that. Um, I do need a little bit of space, but obviously, you know, the kids are home over summer when I have some family fun as well. Um, so all these things are going to get done. Um, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sort of squeezing anything, uh, just by arranging my time, arranging my working days. Um, I'm, I'm going to get all these things done. The other thing I should say, by the way, before I, I move on, I, I should have put this in the row above. Um, I'm also part run volunteering. And when you volunteer, a uh, part runs free. And, uh, but obviously because I value it so much, I, I want to help. And the appeal went out saying, oh, loads of people are away for summer. We're always a bit struggling for volunteers. So I have also, um, volunteered over summer. So I, um, when you volunteer, you, you I, I do two jobs, which allow me to run. There's one job I can do where I, I turn up at eight o'clock and I help them to set up the course before the runners arrive. You could do the course set up. You've got time for a quick cup of tea and then you could do the run. So I can run and volunteer on those days. And the other job, which I do when I volunteer is what's called the first timers briefing. And the first timers briefing is when you take all the people who are tourists and have never done your local run before and people who are first time runners and you give them the briefing, the safety, you tell them about out the course and you answer any questions they've got so I'm going to be doing a lot of part run volunteering over summer uh, and I've targeted um, five five or six probably volunteer sessions over the summer that I'll be doing the other thing that I'm going to be doing over the next few months is, is Paul's podcast diary so uh, obviously we're doing the diary once a week um, at the moment that the diary will continue I'll keep you up to date with all of the things I'm doing on rapid release because I'm sure you're going to want to hear all about that stuff now I'm not decided yet at the time of recording this whether I am going to continue to do the monthly interviews or not and I'll let you know whether you're going to be getting more interview episodes uh, through to September uh, but if I do 
they will go at the rate of one a month because it's very easily sustainable while I'm doing all this crazy writing as well. The other thing I'm going to be doing over August, this is going to happen in August, I think, just looking at the way everything works. I think it's going to have to be August. I want to do some list building. I have told you about this before, that just before I start the rapid release schedule, I want to just top up my list. And I have also told you, that I haven't really been enjoying taking part in third party events because you're listed there with, frankly, a lot of books that are a bit embarrassing and you don't want to be listed with, but also the eternal curse of a giveaway is these guys with the six packs where you've got these romance writers listing. And and my view always has been that if you're running a giveaway, you need to be really strict about the quality and about the type of book that's in there. So I found that the best way for me to run, to do giveaways is to run them myself. So I'm going to run um, three giveaways um, for thrillers just before I start rapid release to bring my list up so that I can, when I'm doing this rapid release, I've got a topped up list and a fresh list so that I can be letting them know about the new release every week. So I'm going to do my own giveaway on book funnel. I'm going to do one on prolific works. I'm going to pay for them, uh, upgrade during that month. And I'm also going to try um, story origins, which I, which I haven't um, done before. And if you remember also, you'll have heard earlier in this podcast diary, I have also got a listing um, elsewhere. I've listed my um, my my uh, book, one of my books, uh, Don't Tell Meg. I've also listed that on book sweeps between the 7th and 14th of August. So all of those are geared at boosting my list and hopefully I'll get an extra 500 to 1,000 subscribers on my list as a result of taking part in those events. So in terms of self-publishing journeys, the podcast, I have committed to August uh, with John Evans. John is who I've collaborated with on military sci-fi. And then I'm leaving it open as to whether I go into September, October and beyond there. But I will update you on that. That's item number 10 in the list. The other thing I've got to do over the summer is book reviews. So um, I've already finished, as I've told you in the diary this week, um, Dead of Night. Um, and I'm going to go through and I'm going to go with the original titles of these because I can remember the original titles. One Fatal Error, Who to Trust and Burden of Guilt. Those are my 50,000 word novels that I've written previously. Um, again, if you recall, what I've got to do with those novels is they've, they're all 10 chapters and each chapter has three parts. I'm splitting out the chapters. So you get about 30, 31 chapters, depending on whether there's a, a prologue, an epilogue and things like that. And so um, my reviews of those books involves reading them through making just any last minute changes, any errors that slipped through the final editing process that I missed. Obviously, I changed those and then I put them into vellum and they're just sitting there waiting for the Stuart Beige cover. So Dead of Night's done already. They only take me um, five evenings to do. They're very, very light edits, very easy edits to do. But I got three more of those books to do over the next, um, well, the next three months. And then, of course, rapid release starts in this quarter. And and having sat there and, and told you a week or two ago what my rapid release plans are and thought, crikey, it just sounds like there's so much going on. Um, it was actually quite consoling for me to write my rapid release plans down in this quarter, because actually what it did is it put it in context. And the context is, and is in actual fact, I, I'm not even going to start rapid releasing books for another two months. I've got a full two months. Um, you know, September the 9th is when I have to release my first book. So I've got ages until rapid release starts, until these books apps have to be ready. So the first book will be on September the 9th. It'll be Now You See Her. That book's going to be finished in a couple of weeks' time. The second book's going to be Dead of Night. Dead of Night, I've, I've already finished. I finished it this week. 
uh, I just need the cover from Stuart Beish. The, the book after that on September the 23rd is going to be One Fatal Error. Well, that's only going to need a light edit. That book's pretty well ready to go. It needs a Stuart Beish cover. And then at the end of September, it's going to be Who to Trust, which again, uh, is already written. It's going to get that light edit and that new cover from Stuart Beish. So in actual fact, I find that really reassuring that although I got all this writing to do, um, only now you see her is going to, is going to be out um, in September of this quarter, that book's going to get handed over by me in a couple of weeks' time. And um, Adam Nichols will probably put it to bed, by which I mean, you know, he'll have the final say on the edit. It'll go to an editor. Um, he'll probably make the final tweaks and changes, and then it'll get published. So, um, you know, I, I actually, when I saw it like that, planned out like that, um, I felt much better about it, to be honest with you. It didn't feel quite as bad. So um, there are sort of 12 items on that list, and they're all pretty well geared either to my rapid release and getting ready to my rapid release or they're geared to my fitness goals. That's pretty well all I'm doing at the moment. So I am focusing on two things, rapid release and fitness goals, even though there are 12 items on that list. Everything is moving in a kind of pincer movement towards those goals. So um, as ever, I set my goals for the next quarter, for the next 12 weeks, three months, um, they are always subject to change, to review, but I think pretty well, I, pre I think those um, objectives pretty well are going to stay as they are. I think the only thing that's going to show some flexibility there is with the self-published journeys, whether I decide to continue the interview episodes or whether I part them for a couple of months and then come back to them maybe after the rapid release and, and actually it's very interesting doing this diary because saying that aloud, saying to you that I might just do the last one with John, potentially one in September, and then just leave it till I've done the rapid release. Just saying that aloud makes me think, hmm, that sounds about right to me. You know, don't, don't set yourself up for a fall. Don't give yourself too much work. But I will let you know that when I've made the decision, the final decision on that. So there you are. That is my quarter three, July to September goals. Uh, that's what I'm going to be doing over the next three months, writing, 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 editing, 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 and then getting ready for that rapid release. And I, I'm really looking forward to it. And I, I know it sounds like a, there's a lot of writing and editing going on there but um you know honestly there is also a lot of fun time going on in the summer it's not going to be all work 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 um i have taken great care and I i'm telling you this because I i'm recommending this to you also as, as an author taking great care to make sure there's also personal and family time in there as well um as well as obviously getting my head down and getting the work done so i hope that's useful for you to hear what's going on there I do just want to mention um, Edward Downward. Um, Edward was very excited this week because he had not only me, but Jerry Evanov on the same podcast. And Edward, I know, listens to Jerry's podcast. And I, I do recommend Jerry's podcast if uh, because I, I, I'm, I am aware that I, it's like a sausage factor, isn't it? Um, I am aware that when I started recording this podcast diary, I was very, very, very early on in my writing career. And now I'm earning over $20,000 a year, which is nowhere near as good as I want to. I want to move the needle on substantially, which is why I'm doing rapid release this year. But I also realised that earning over $20,000 a year from my books is way ahead of a lot of people who'll be listening to this diary. So I recommend uh, Jerry's podcast because he's at that first book release stage. If you want to get your fix of somebody who's going through that, Jerry's podcast is a great way to listen to that. But even Jerry has this problem because Jerry's podcast is called New Author Podcast. And of course, he's just released his new book. So he won't be a new author. He'll be a published author at that stage, which is why he's decided to bring his sister in, Lindsay, so that you could also follow her 
first book release process as well. And I don't think she intends to release until um, 2020. So you can kind of hear all stages of the process listening to those podcasts. But um, Edwin, I know, wanted to share a picture. And you've got a lovely kind of lazy river photograph there. And Edwin's based in Canada. And Edwin has said a mood shot for the benefit of Paul Teague. And, and Edwin says he may have walked a kilometre to reach this spot. He'll have to look up the distance at some point because um, Edwin keeps very active in his day job and also walking to get that beautiful picture. It looks like lovely kind of woodland and a lazy river there, Edwin. So thanks very much for sharing that picture. And if you want to take a look at it, it is, of course, on the show notes for this episode, which is 160 of Paul's podcast diary. OK, that's it for another week of The Diary. I will be back with you next Saturday. In the meantime, whatever you're doing in your author career, have a great week of writing. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.